Welcome to Vino Week, episode 18, brought to you by Vino 101. All right, welcome to Vino Week. I'm Bill. Hello, everybody. I'm Al. Bill, I'm ready to order some wine. How can I do it? Where do I go? Who do I who do I look for? I'm, <laughs> I'm chomping at the bit. I need to order some wine. And so you're obviously talking about the decanter article that we have here about Amazon France and what their um, 34,000 food and alcohol products. God, man, that is awesome. So, but you know, we've talked on, we've been talking over a year about how the wine business is changing in this, in in the States. And one of the key reasons is they're, you know, retailer supermarkets are carrying more wine. And this um, article is highlighting how Amazon in France is, you know, going into a competition in the supermarket, which I assume is probably quite a lot of, uh, you know, um, is the majority of sort of the retail around wine in France. I mean, I remember going to a, a supermarket that had, you know, aisle, like four aisles, long aisles of uh, wine when I was there years ago. Um, so, I mean, it's sort of no surprise, but anytime I read about, you know, a company like Amazon, is like, how are they doing their distribution? Well, they're, this is going to be a big threat to obviously the grocery stores. Um, I guess one of the things that kind of saves them is they're not going to be doing any frozen foods or, or fresh food stuff. So that'll help out. You know, it's, it's just cans and bottles at this point. But uh, I think that once they get going, they really plan to ramp it up. And the number of wines available are going to be much more than that 4,000. It's pretty impressive. And the buy-in, if you take a delivery, it's 25 pounds. That's it. That's what is that? Forty bucks? Yeah, something like that. So you know, free delivery. You know, if you if your order's over over forty dollars, you know. Well, that's, and that's sort of you know my thing. <clears throat> my thing about this is like you know how are they gonna how are they gonna you know we're gonna talk about wine temperature in a little bit. I mean, how are they gonna ensure that wine is um, stored and you know delivered it you know properly? I mean, am I getting frozen wine in the winter? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Safeway. You know, they, they're delivering, um, you know, things that are perishable. And I, I think their trucks, aren't their trucks refrigerated? Yeah. I mean, they have to be, right? Um, yeah. Because so, they're delivering produce. But, and to the point, though, Safeway's leveraging their stores is kind of like local, like little warehouses, right? Yep. You know, when you order from Safeway, somebody literally in the store goes around and picks stuff off the shelf, and then they put it on their truck, and then, you know, they've got software that tells the driver how to route it around. Um, and, you know, they have enough points of presence that they can cover this. I Like, is Amazon putting everything in a central distribution warehouse and trying to, you know, truck it around France? That is interesting because the way it's set up here, you know, most of the, most of the spots are – you know, they're they're out in like Modesto or, you know, the the big the hubs are way out in the middle of nowhere. And then they distribute the stuff out from there. Right. So you know, you're right. They've got, uh, you know, the Safeway model is much better because they've got a location in every little neighborhood. So they're able to get to places really quickly. I would imagine there's probably going to be a lot of uh, hills and valleys um, yeah. with this. But, uh, you know. Amazon has a way of getting things done when they decide to do it. Oh, no doubt about it. And, and, um, you know, when they're, 
when you see a move, I think when you see a move by Amazon on this scale, they've already done their testing. Yeah, I get. I had the uh, I had the pleasure of walking through one of their sites. Um, this may be like a year and a half ago, and the automation is just amazing. You, you know, when I walked in, I envisioned an order coming in, and you know, some person, you know, getting the order coming down from the computer, or whatever, and then walking around and picking up the pieces and and putting them on the cart and then rolling them around. It doesn't quite work like that. There is no one walking in an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> that there is no walking. You're running. I've it's heard. All... I've heard it's pretty um, intense in terms of you know getting you know getting an order placed. Well, the order's placed, but the interesting thing is you know that the, the process of actually picking the items. Yeah, it's fulfilled all by, picked. It's all by robot. So, and they actually have robots that deliver the shelves around. So when the order pops in, the robot brings the stuff to you. <laughs> Just like. As it should be. Yeah, here you go. Here you go. Put so this it's, in the it's box. Pretty, it's pretty amazing. That's crazy. Pretty amazing. So um, it's uh, it's nice to see Amazon doing that, but it's only happening in France. So it's I guess it's going to be a while before it makes it over here to the other side of the pond, eh? I mean, you could buy. We can buy wine on Amazon. It's just, you know, um, I haven't done it before, but I, you know, they're going to ship it to you, right? I mean, you order, you know, order a nice bottle of wine, you know, right now when we've got 90 degree temperatures, that thing's going to get put on a truck and driven around the neighborhood till it hits your house. Yeah, not a good idea. We've talked about that before. <laughs> Yes. I've got some. I've got some wine that I've ordered, and it's just like uh, you guys just go ahead and hold on to that. We'll wait till you know, wait till the weather cools yeah, down. No kidding, no kidding. Well, speaking of uh, wine in different places or in uh, um, getting making it more convenient to get a glass of wine, looks like our our um, the uh, fast food re- the fast food chain Burger King is uh, rolling out their own wine. Whopper wine. Yeah, that label, the label that they have, yeah. is imp- that's an impressive label. I mean, it, it it's pretty cool. That's They spent some money on getting that design. Definitely. And then the box is just, uh, that is pretty yeah. awesome, too. I love the box. I don't know if it comes with the box, but, I mean, obviously, that's their rollout ad. But I like the point where it says, um, and it, actually, it's a, it's a mistake. It says in the article that the wine has been flame-grilled. Haven't had flame grilled wine yet, Bill. How about you? I, well, I was reading that and I'm like, are they cooking with their what? What is this anyway? What they meant to say was yes. that the barrels have been flame grilled. <laughs> I guess they used uh, oak. they put the they toasted the barrel the staves or the barrels with some of the equipment from the restaurant. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. I thinking. guess that's the assumption. Yes. But I, I hey, think... this goes to highlight, you know, what we've been talking about, what we talked about on last week's cast, which is just the, um, you know, the changing retailing business of wine, right? So more in supermarkets and now more quick service restaurants are having it. it, it we had mentioned Starbucks. We also have an article uh, this week about uh, someone who went in and taste tested all of the, the food and wine offerings at Starbucks at night. Um, which is a really great article because it goes in depth in terms of all the tasting notes that they had. Um, 
but um, you know, some wines you might expect to see on that menu, at least from my, um, you know, from my point of view. And I think one of the things I took away from the article is that none of the, I forget how they framed it in the article, but basically all the wines are accessible. They're going to be yeah. accessible. Gotcha, gotcha. And not offending. Um, they also did make the mention that, you know, for the price of the glass of wine, you can often buy the bottle from a retailer for the same glass price. But Right. This is a this is the euro this is the, the Euros, you know, kind of we're copying them in a lot of ways. Oh, you right. Know, we've, I mean, we've copied their wines. We're trying to copy their lifestyle. If you look at the, the wine country, the lifestyle of going out and, you know, I mean, it, this is kind of the same thing. And, and one of the things that they do in Europe is. It's been my experience anyway, is wine is just like part of the food that's on the table. Right. And it's not unusual. So, I mean, they're just really introducing something here in Spain that I'm surprised that they haven't been doing this already, <laughs> that they haven't had wine at a Burger King. Because you, if you scroll down further down in the article, uh, McDonald's in South America, yeah. they've been serving wine for a while, for quite a while. And I believe so in Europe, too. I believe you can get wine or beer um, at most McDonald's in Europe, most quick service restaurants. We went to a McDonald's when we were over in um, Northern Italy. We went to a McDonald's, and I'm trying to remember if they had wine and beer on there. And that's probably the first time I've been in a McDonald's in a while. Yeah. But um, I think, I believe they had beer. I can't remember if they had wine. wine or you know, and beer, you know, consumers in Europe are pretty well educated, right? I mean, they kind of grew up around this stuff. So the wine has to be, um, well, as you were telling me in, in Italy, how local everything is. Yeah, you know, really. Might, you know, they might accept a beer brand that's, you know, got a national footprint, um, you know, versus a um, wine that, you know, they might expect – wine to actually have kind of some local uh tie-in yeah i mean i i mentioned this before i mean you go you're in a one wine valley and you go into a restaurant where you're going to be tasting the wines in that valley and you're not going to be offered wines from the valley that's right next door that's just how it is right so it's it's for you know i mean you know we have that localism type thing here you know you come to a restaurant here you're going to see wines from from Napa on the list, but it's going to be by and large, it's going to be predominantly Sonoma County wines. Right. right. So that's uh, that's uh, you know that's not, that tri tribalism. Yeah, it's not unique. I yeah, mean, it's not unique. I mean, people want to, you know, people that visit probably expect that as well. Sure, sure, makes yeah. sense. Well, let's. So I haven't been to a Starbucks, Bill, but uh, <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll go. You know, I gave up. I don't know if you guys know or not, but I oh, gave God. up coffee a couple of a uh, couple of years ago now, and you know, it's I'm, I have mixed feelings about it now. Now that Starbucks is starting to offer wine, maybe I'll go in there in the morning, get my coffee, and swing by in the afternoon, and uh, you know, a glass of wine, get get some uh, vino and some truffles and mac and cheese. Yeah, you know, truffle popcorn. I've been to I've been to a few wineries in Sonoma County that have truffle popcorn. Um yeah. so it's interesting they have that stuff. I, I just thought the person that wrote that article did a good job of sort of explaining. I just thought it was a good review. Yeah, it was uh who who wrote that? It was written by uh oh uh Elon. Elon McCoy. Yeah. I believe that's how you pronounce her first name. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could imagine when she showed up and uh, ordered, okay, I'd like five plates of this food, a couple beers and uh, 10 of these wines. All, all the wine. Sure the staff went into hyper explode. <laughs> well, I, I like how she had mentioned that she, she was getting um, looks and, and, uh, and you could see people were, you know, muttering under their breath kind of thing as she got her, you know, array of wine and, and food. Very, very funny. Yeah, the article, was... uh, the pictures there are actually shot really well too. So it looks like they have a really nice space. It's in a very uh, hip area of Brooklyn called Williamsburg. Yeah, this is a this is a must read, I think, and especially if uh, I like it, the plates, the, the representation and how they show the plates, especially that cheese plate. Um, I mean, it's not doesn't blow you away with like, wow, look at this. You know, it's not super extravagant, but it's got what you need there. Yeah. It's got the bread. It's got the cheese. The jam. It's pretty cool. It's uh, it's uh, subtle, and and well executed. I'd say if I were looking for a few few words or phrases. Yeah. So we'll have to get by there. We'll have to try that out. We got a couple places to go now. We got to go to uh, Starbucks Bell. to try out the wine menu, Taco and we got to get down to uh, Taco Bell at uh, near the AT and T, uh, you know, Soma area. We got to get down there. We got we got places to go, Bill. Yeah. Things to do. So, uh, if you're if you're uh, calorie counting, though, I'd say Starbucks is a place you don't want to go to every day. <laughs> oh my! You see what that one photo? Yes. With the foods? Yeah. I hey, I'm losing you. You're fading away. Oh no, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you're uh, you probably want to uh, make sure you get your exercise in if you're going to be going there all the time. But some great offerings: uh, Mianetto Prosecco, uh, nine bucks a glass. Um, they've got, uh, looks like a good showing from, uh, South America, Villa Maria Sauvignon Blanc. Um, they've got the Ferrari Carano Chardonnay at 12 bucks. Uh, they make great wine there at Ferrari Carano, by the way. And, uh, let's see what else is, uh, Alamos Malbec. Alamos, they get, they get their wine everywhere. Mm. <laughs> they're just, they're a juggernaut in the wine business. So it, it looks like a pretty, uh, pretty well-rounded menu. Do you know if there's one open? If there's one open in our area? Oh, I have no idea. All right, we'll have to look around and find out. So, um, should we move on? Yeah. So there was a there's a great article uh, uh, that a sommelier had written. That um, his name is uh, Jorn Kleinhaus. And he um, he runs a company called the Somalia Company, but he he's trying to help people decode wine labels and saying, you know, and and we mentioned this on the on the cast before, you know, if you have a label, look for these words. So he kind of uh, goes through a number of different um, types of wine. Well, a quick a quick correction. Yep. Uh, the the. the Arthur, uh, the writer of the article is Libby Kane. Oh, which, oh sorry. And, uh, but he, she's talking about this guy, right? Yeah, she's talking well, to Jean. Yeah, yeah my bad. Um, but anyway, I, I thought this was just a – I think this is a must-read article, especially for people who are new. Um, you know, it's helping you with your vocabulary a little bit and will help you. You know, not and, and not to say that if you, you know, find a, a, find a Riesling that has, you know – trucking on it that it's going to be like a dynamite riesling but you're definitely gonna you know you're definitely gonna help um increase your odds of getting a um 
uh, a good value out of your wine. And they're also saying that these wines are under 25 bucks. So, yeah, it's kind of like a, um, a wine for dummies, uh, vocab thing. Like, I mean, the first one classical, uh, on a bottle of Chianti is really, you know, that's a good, that's a good, you know, that's a good thing to look for. Cause if you see classical, you emit immediately rule out all of the pretenders, because if a bottle just says Chianti, that's not to say that they can't be good, but there's going to be a fair number of bottles that aren't going to be that great. And Classico, you know, as the article references, just denotes that that wine is from a specifically uh, delineated region that's been um, that's been um, codified that this is the qual where the most quality wines come from in, in Chianti. So. I mean, you go to that, you, you go and you look and you see classical on the bottle, man. Things are things are all right. And also to that point, if you see classical and you see it's followed by Reserva, well, you're getting the best of the best there. So there are some keywords that you can look for on wine labels that will help you get a better bottle of wine. Yes. Just a great article. Yeah. And it's, uh, I can't say much more than that, but it's just, it's really, uh, and it's well put together too. It's not like, an, you know, it's not like eight pages of... <laughs> wine language yeah it's real it's real it's real condensed and i love the one where uh it's talking about trocking on riesland what i like most was that picture that's there i want to go there now yeah i'm i'm ready to go to the mosul yeah it, i mean it's hard not to it's beautiful i mean look at those vineyards man could you imagine working those I, you gotta have like one leg shorter than the other to walk those yeah it's uh it's unbelievable that's challenging terrain yeah, that's uh, and the Germans probably made some kind of machine that helps you. Well, there's a machine to actually uh, that can transport people up and down those hills. I would imagine there has to be. You can't be. I mean, there's just no. There's got to be. I know there's got to be a machine that trans that moves the grapes. Oh, definitely. When they harvest, there's got to be. Definitely. Yeah, and there's probably some wine grower listening to us going, "Yeah, it's called a tractor, you knuckleheads." <laughs> no, there's. I don't true. think. I don't think there's a tractor that can go up that grade. Not the particular one I'm looking at. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> they got some kind of pulley system or something. That's uh, no doubt. Yeah, that's all. That's hand farmed, and and um, that's just amazing. And it's amazing that the price point on the wines that come from that region are where they are, considering well, they're still doing legal. agriculture. Yeah. You know, basically the way they were doing it hundreds of years ago. Yeah. And it, it's really. Um... You know, not to belabor the picture, but, you know, the way the vineyard's laid out is quite interesting. If you actually expand the picture and see how. Um, oh, the separate parcels? Yeah, yeah, the separate parcels in there. Um, and just the orientation of the vines. It's quite interesting. Yeah, and I, I would imagine that, you know, that little, that, that hillside plot there probably has like about 25, 30 different owners. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Everyone work in their little area. So, so we probably, we probably, unfortunately, have time for just a few more. Um, well, we can well, just we can just mention this. So, there's a time did an, uh, a a good article on uh, 14 hacks. Um, uh, you know, wine drinkers should know. It's everything from sort of, you know, how to open a, a bottle of wine with a shoe. <laughs> 
Oh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, that's you, you can go on the Internet and just type in how to open a bottle of wine with a shoe and you'll get 15, 20 different hilarious videos of guys doing that. But um, mostly guys, you never see women doing that. I don't know why. Uh, because, it, well, it, <laughs> women are probably smart enough to carry a corkscrew around. <laughs> exactly. Why is it always men? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just saying. Exactly. Um, but no, it's uh, it, there's great tips here, and and really sort of how to chill wine, how to keep it the proper temperature, how to store it, how to buy it, and um, how to remove it from your clothing. Yeah, and that's what I got. There's a couple of things I didn't know. I didn't know about the shaving cream. I didn't know about the shaving cream. I didn't know about <laughs> uh, freezing leftover wine in ice cube trays. That was pretty clever. Yeah, for cooking, that's pretty. That's yep. pretty smart. That's smart because I that man, I'll be using that tip. So uh, that was a good one. And then you know, kind of continuing on that on that thread, um, more uh, yet another sort of post on how to uh, keep your wine or uh, the temp serving wine at the proper temperature. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, uh, but the the one from Tablas Creek, yes. Yeah, the, I guess the the long and short of it is, uh, it's it, what I'm getting from the from the post is that, you know, if you're going to watch out for something, most reds are served too warm and most whites are served too cold. Kind of old ground for us. We've been over this before, but I think it it bears mentioning because, and I'm, I'm I know I'm repeating myself. Temperature that you serve a wine at is is really critical for getting the maximum enjoyment out of it. And if you have a red wine and you're drinking it at 75 degrees, which is your room temperature, I mean, you you bought it at the store and it might have been 70 and, you, and then you take it for a ride in your car and then you leave it out on the table before you have dinner. And, you know, it could be at 75 degrees. If it's a big red like a Zinfandel, it's going to taste like kerosene yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you drink it. I mean, it's just going to all you're going to taste is alcohol. Yeah, it, I mean that's just the the net net of it is is that you're going to enjoy the wine uh, much more, you know. And it, you conversely with white wine, you know, people chill it down where it's super cold, and and then what happens is is you're actually not getting the true aromas and the flavor of the wine. And it's actually a really simple experiment to do is you know cool down, you know, take a glass and stick it in the freezer, you know, or you know put it in a vessel that you can put in the freezer and leave it in the freezer for a few minutes and then, you know, take it out and pour it in a glass and kind of taste it like every 10 minutes. Um, and you'll see, you know, uh, how dramatic the changes are as it warms up and you will be able to get a really good, it's a really simple way to get a good understanding, especially when it gets too warm. So you'll get this, you know, you'll start to get the intensity of the fruit and the aromas, and then as it warms up, you know, that stuff dissipates. So as it goes from hot to cold, or from cold to hot, it's a, it's a really simple way to kind of educate yourself on that. Yeah, everyone has their, has their preferences, but it, there's a really narrow band for, you know, the correct temperature. And what I like to do is, um, I'm kind of similar to the person who wrote this article, actually. Um, the wine's in, in my wine stash, they're right around 57, 58 degrees. That's about what it stays at. 
and I pull them out and the reds, I might just let the reds sit for like five or 10 minutes. And usually I just open them up right away and I'll taste it just right out of the cellar. And that seems to work really well for me. And they, and if they're a little too cold, they can warm up a bit for the whites. I might stick the whites in the fridge for maybe 10 minutes just to chill it down a little bit more. And that's my preference. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. that's my zone. So but, you go ahead. But I mean, it, a lot of it depends on the wine also. If it's a fuller bodied wine, like um, the wine I want to mention to everybody, um, I have a, a Gewürztraminer that I, that I tried last night. That typically you could put a little bit more of a chill on. You, could, you don't need to have as big of a chill on it. So um, a Gewürztraminer, Chardonnay, um, um, some of your Rhone varieties like uh, Marsan, Roussan, your heavier body whites, Probably you could put a less of a chill on. If you got something like a Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc, you can chill those down more. Okay. And with the whites, uh, you know, the heavier reds, you know, typically you chill less. But if you got a lighter red like a Beaujolais or um, you could put a chill on a Pinot Noir, or if you have rosés, you can chill those more. So that's like a general guideline. Simple guidelines. So speaking of uh – preferences you've got a wine recommendation this week yeah um were you able to pull that site up and check it out yeah okay well the wine um and this is you might not you're probably not going to be able to find this wine because i've had it for a while it's a 2008 it's called nussbamer and it's n-u-s-s-b-a-u-m-e-r uh it's made by cantina Traman, and it's from the suterol yeah you probably won't be able to find this wine this is uh, it's a 2008 Nuss Bomber. It's N U S S B A U M E R, and it's made by Cantina Traumann. Yeah, Cantina like, Tra- I'm like Nuss Bomber sounds German. It <laughs> sounds German. Well, you got to remember that um, Alto Adige, which is the region it's from, they've been you know kind of fighting over that land for years now, <laughs> back and you forth. Mean, you mean a couple couple centuries? Yeah. But I think, by and large, most people that are up there, I mean, when you look at a label, they're all done in, um, they're done in Italian and they're done in the Austrian language. So it's Sudorol, which is South Tyrol, and then Alto Adige would would be the um, uh, Italian um, version of it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, lots of German spoken there. (laughs) But it's a great, it's a great, it's an interesting wine. It's 2008, like I said before. You can find newer bottlings. Um, I believe their 11 is out right now. And uh, just to give you, a, it's it's Gewürztraminer. So if you haven't had Gewürztraminer before, it could be the type of wine that could scare you. <laughs> so why why is that? <laughs> it's a it's a white wine. It's definitely a unique a unique profile. And if you haven't had one, it's nothing like you've ever had before. It's not like Chardonnay. It's not not like Simeon. It's not, and it's it doesn't uh, receive any oak uh, treatment. So it's um, it's just the wine itself. Yeah. It's rather full bodied on the nose when you smell it. It's kind of almost oily and waxy, and it's got a, like a, a a little hint of uh, a petrol, kind of like petroly, I guess I'd say. It's slightly honeyed, but you get that classic Gewürztraminer that uh, lychee. Those roses, you get that classic uh, aroma in the nose. 
Um, everything's in balance. It's really got some deep concentration and it, a very smooth and long finish. And what did you and, what did you have with that? Were you just um, I didn't have anything with it. I didn't have any food with it at all. Just enjoying we were, the wine. Yeah, we enjoyed the wine. And I'm trying to think of what it would go with. You, you know, know, if I can Gewurz, Gewurz, if I'm, I, I can pair with some interesting foods, right? Um, you know, obviously there's probably seafood pairings that works great with, but I believe that some of the, you know, um, Asian cuisines they can actually pair with, um, you know, if you get the right dish. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking something with some spice, probably not anything with, not anything with a whole bunch of sugar. I don't know. I just had it by itself. I can't remember. I can't even remember what I paid for it. I know it's probably upwards of thirty bucks a bottle. Gotcha. But it's um, it's a great, great. Yeah, it's ref, it's reference Gewurztraminer. Yeah, is is I guess is what I'm saying from that area. So and they make a lot of really really good wines up in the Alto Adige area. And those wines, so wine like that, that's sort of a reference wine. Yeah, you know, thirty bucks, not. Um, you know, not something you're going to maybe have every day, but worth it to, to, you know, get access to sort of that true to type reference bottle, you know, you can, um, iterate off of there in terms of sort of like, you know, people are saying, Hey, this is a bottle that's very typical or what, you know, you know, uh, Gewurz should taste like, and not that they're all going to taste like that. There's different expressions of the wine and all of that stuff, but, no, it's worth it to kind of help understand, you know, especially if you're interested in it. And you could probably go pretty deep in that area in terms of the variety that you could get, um, uh, you know, from that region. So it could be pretty, you know, it's worth it. Try it. Yeah, I'm trying to. Um, I'm trying to look right now and see if I can uh, find get a more accurate price because I might I might have under. Yeah, that's about right. So um, <laughs> I just went on Wine Searcher real quick. Uh, you can get a 2010 bottle. Uh, well, maybe not that off of eBay. <laughs> I shouldn't do that. Let's see. Uh, let me put in 11. That's that's about right. Looks like it's going to be 30 and up. Well, there you go. Yeah. There so, but uh, definitely uh, a dark horse kind of uh, out there. And uh, you know, if, I, I like the variety and trying different things. And uh, Gewurz Meter doesn't get a lot of pub, but uh, if you're out there and you see this around, um, and if you like Gewurz you'll definitely be pleased with it. And if you want to want to find out what Gewurz Meter uh, should taste like, here's your bottle. There you go. All right. Well, with that, let's do it a wrap. Um, hit us up on Twitter, Vino101.net. On Facebook, we have a Facebook page. Um, you can also go to our blog, Vino101.net, and leave a comment. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Hey, Bill, uh, we got, well, we'll talk about that after the show. Hey, um, thanks everybody for listening and uh, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.